Well, good morning. I feel at home. I got here. Paul checks me in as a visitor. Brian gives me stress, wanting to know how many days it takes us to get to, uh, from Indiana to New York in a Ford. And uh, had a little discussion about that. Got to see Jim at the door, so I'm at home again. So thank you, each and every one of you. We did have one that was going to leave because she thought I was preaching. I didn't want to lie to her, but she started to walk out, but then she came back. No names given, Betty. Um, Anyway, if you would, turn your Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, we're going to be looking at verses 17 to 24. I just want to share some things with you as we look at these verses. You know, I don't know about you, but I've heard testimony from my pastor, and he was sharing that after he became a Christian, there were people came up to him and apologized to him. They said, Carl, I apologize to you. I never thought that you would trust Jesus as your Savior, and I never went to you and shared the gospel with you because I was positive you would not be saved. But yet, he is saved today. He's our pastor. There's another gentleman. Val and I were a couple weeks going down to Georgia, I think it was. And she said to me, "Um, have you heard the story about Vincent Damon Furner? And I said, well, what about him? She said, well, he got saved. Well, that doesn't mean anything to me. Who is he? Well, let me just tell you a little about him. She says, He was in drugs, he was in alcohol, um, and all of a sudden, one day, blood started coming out of his eyes. And he changed his name from Vincent to Alice Cooper. Maybe some of you have heard him, Uh, maybe some of you have followed his music in the past. Unfortunately, I did, so I I was kind of shocked by that. She said, well, he's a Christian today. And I said, really? And so I started reading about his story. It seems his father was a pastor. So he heard his father preach many times. His grandfather was an evangelist for, I believe, 75 years. And as he uh, turned away from God, God's Word, uh, especially that day when he was bleeding out of his eyes, it penetrated. He remembered those words of old. He remembered hearing the gospel. And he says today he is a born-again Christian. And so I'm going to take him at his word. Uh, I still struggle with some things, but you know what? He's the one that is responsible for his life, and I'm responsible for mine, and you are responsible for yours. So let's take some time and look at Psalm 119, because I want to see from God's word what the psalmist was telling us and teaching us. Many believe that King David is the one that wrote Psalm 119. And he very well may have written this psalm to help his son, Solomon, in the alphabet. I'm just telling you what people have said. So let's start there. Verse 17. It says, Deal bountiful with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. 
Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princesses also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselor. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for another day of life. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Father, I thank you for the ability for each and every one of us to get into the Word daily. Holy Spirit of God, would you just do a work today? Would you teach us as only you can? Father, we need to live our lives especially for you in these last days of these last days. Paul told Timothy, we are going to face perilous times. And Lord, as we see our world in chaos, as we see people walking away from God, as we see people not sharing their faith, Father, we have a lot of work to do. Lord, we just pray for Israel. We raise them to you right now. All through God's word, we see where people were always trying to beat up on Israel. But Lord, you told us in your word that you will bless those that bless Israel. You will curse those that curse Israel. I pray, Father, right now our leadership of our country, for the most part, is behind Israel. Lord, I can see that that could change very easy because some are only working at what the polls say. Father, we need to be looking at the Word of God says and complying to that. So, Father, use us and teach us as only you can. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. These words that the psalmist wrote... Uh, he's much aware of his need for spiritual wisdom. The psalmist reminds us that in difficult and distress, the Lord and his word are a comfort and a counselor to each and every one of us. And I pray that as we go through difficult times, as we see our, our world going the way it is, that the first thing that we want to do is get into the word of God and console and talk to God and be praying to Him and asking God to work. And I pray that that is our desire. This psalm, I believe, these verses are about prayer. So we need to pray for divine illumination. And verse 17 tells us that deal bountiful with your servant. In this text, we see that we are servants. So I believe that we need, are being taught here, to pray as a servant. Deal bountiful means that the psalmist makes a request. He wants a grant. He's asking God to reward his service, his servants. The psalmist must have understood the fact that the Lord's help helps us when we are when we need to be spiritually discerned. In 1 Corinthians 2:14, God's word says But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The only way to understand God's truth is for God's Holy Spirit to be our teacher. And in John 16, 13, we see these words. It says, However, when he... The Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. 
and He will tell you things to come. The psalmist writes here that he longs for God to deal bountiful with him. Some believe this word bountiful can be translated for the word wean. In other words, this leads to maturity. The psalmist wanted to get off the milk and the psalmist wanted to get to a situation where he was eating meat. And God's Word does tell us that it's time as Christians that we no longer have a desire to consume milk. That we want to get into the meat of the Word. So as a servant, I pray that each and every one of us will have a desire to do that. A desire to mature. And it's a process of growth in the Word. You know, there's things that I've studied many years ago, and I've seen a point, but then as I'm in the Word and as I'm growing and I'm in the Word daily, God shows me more and more things, and I know He does that to you. We've got to be in God's Word. And the problem is, so many times we head out in this world and we face the world, and we're not in the Word of God. And a lot of times we haven't taken the time to prepare for our life. I remember years ago, I, I had a motivational uh, teacher, Zig Ziglar, that I bought into many years ago. And he said, you know what? Too many times Christians will spend more time preparing for a two-week vacation than they do their life. And I pray that as we have a desire to live for God, that we will take the time daily to prepare. As the children of Israel went out daily and took the manna, they said, what is it? It was God in the flesh. It was God feeding them and taking care of them. And, and if they took too much, they would have a problem. And we've got to get into the Word of God daily. It's interesting in 1 Samuel 3.9, it's uh, Samuel kept getting woken up. And the Bible says that he went to Eli and he said, Eli, what do you want? And Eli said, I, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And again he got called and he got up and he said, Eli, I'm here. And Eli said, I didn't call you. And he went back and laid down. And the Bible said a third time he awoke and he came to Eli. And Eli decided and surmised that God was trying to talk to Samuel. And it's interesting that Samuel was taught by Eli that when he got called again to say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I pray that as we get in the Word of God, we ask the Holy Spirit of God to teach us as a servant to want to use us and, and say to God, Lord, for your servant is listening. Do we listen to the Word of God as God's Word, as we're reading and studying it? Now, if we're not into the Word, we won't have that. But servants literally speaks to loyalty and submission. Confer upon me what is necessary to live and to keep your Word. He is asking God to enable him to do what he requires of him in God's Word. The next thing we see is not only pray as a servant, we need to pray as a student. Now, I'm not talking about the kids that are in school or high school, college. I'm talking to each and every one of us. I pray that we have a desire to be students of the Word. It's interesting that God's Word tells us 
about a man named Peter. Now, if you've looked at Peter at all, you have seen countless times where he would put his foot in his mouth. I mean, he was always getting in trouble. And, and maybe you're like that. I know I'm like that. There's times I put my foot in my mouth. It's interesting that Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they shared some things, Elias and some others. But this is the thing that was important. Jesus said, but who do you think I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter had a relationship with Almighty God. He had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he knew that he was a living God. And Jesus said, God revealed that to us. How do we expect as students of the Word to be reviewed, for God to reveal in uh, us what He wants for us when we don't get in the Word of God? It's, it doesn't work. But we need to pray as a student. It's interesting that when you go to 1 Peter, and we just start studying this, and I'm thinking one of, one of the things I got to do in church while I was younger uh, I got to play Peter. Now that you get older like I am, you don't get to pay, play uh, Peter anymore because you're too old, you know. Anyway, but I, I studied a lot of his life because I, I, I just seen some things in his life that were in my life. And it's interesting, First Peter, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto the lively hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Folks, we have a lively hope because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And I pray that as we look at God's Word and we see what God has done for us, we do not deserve heaven. But by God's grace, we have heaven. If we know Him. And my prayer today is that each and every one of you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you are growing daily in your relationship with Him. You want to be like Him. And you want to act like Him. You know, the Apostle Paul said, you know, look at me and observe me and the things that you see in me do. And if you do those things, the peace of God will be with you. And so... There are times in our life that we need to be a student of the Word. And I believe that once we become a Christian, once we've trusted in Jesus Christ, that is something that needs to be in our, our consume our hearts is to be a student. It doesn't matter what age we are. In, in uh, Luke 24, verse 32, there, the Word talks about men that were walking with Jesus. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn with us while He talked with us on the road? And while He opened the Scriptures to us? The Bible says that they urged Him to stay there uh, because it was getting evening. And He took the bread and He broke it and He prayed for it. And it's like their eyes were open. Peter's eyes were open. And I pray that the more we study God's Word, the more that we become a servant, and we more of a servant and more of a student, that our eyes will be open. It's interesting in, in um, Jeremiah 33.3, God says, Call unto me, and I will answer you. 
And then he says, I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I don't know about you, but there's a ton of stuff that I don't know. And I still don't know, even though I call on God. If God says if we call on Him, He will show us great and mighty things which we know us not. So verse 18, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. The wondrous things refers to things that cause wonder, that amaze. I don't know about you, but as I'm praying for situations around the world, and as I'm praying in situations of friends, family, loved ones, I, I don't know about you, but I get excited because I'm amazed at what God's doing. I trust that you're getting amazed as you pray and you're seeing answers to your prayer and you are amazed. God, I, I never thought you'd do that. <clears throat> the other day I had a situation and I still haven't got it yet. Instead of going to prayer and asking God to answer my prayer, what did I do? It, and myself, I, I, I went to people and said, hey, if this happens, please, please forgive them. And I never took it to prayer. And God took care of it anyway. Before I even prayed about it, God took care of it. And He amazes me as He continues to do that. Remove whatever it is that keeps one from recognizing the wonders of the Bible. It, it refers to seeing things from God's perspective, to gain understanding, not just knowledge. You know, there's some warnings that we see in God's Word. Proverbs 29.18 says this. Proverbs 29.18, it says this. Where there is no revelation or where there is no vision, the people cast off restraints. The vision is the prophetic revelation. In 2 Peter 1.9, it says this, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted. In other words, they're blind. And has forgotten that he has cleansed from all his old sins. 2 Corinthians, I'm going to ask you to turn there. 2 Corinthians 4. I, I know you've heard these verses before, but... I think this is so pertinent for in today. I mean, it's been pertinent since uh, man is uh, what they are. But in in Second uh, Corinthians four, uh, I want you to see these verses. Second Corinthians uh, four three. But even if our gospel is wa- uh, veiled, in other words, uh, our it is veiled to those that are perishing. But if our gospel, I'm I'm sorry, I keep going back to the King James, but if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, the God of this world is Satan, in whom the God of this world have blinded people so they will not believe. Satan wants to take as many people with him as he can. And I pray that, I don't know about you, but we have God in us if we've trusted. We've trusted Jesus as our personal Savior. And we need to have a desire to tell others about Him. Just as Christ did. Just as Paul did. Just as the disciples did. The disciples gave up their life for the cross. For the Gospel. 
um, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And so these situations that we see, the gospel, if it's hid, and you know it's interesting, and I think it's in Acts 20 or 21. You guys will be getting there in the next couple of weeks. The Apostle Paul stands up at the church in Ephesus and he raises his hands. I wish I could raise mine higher, but as far as they'll go. Raises his hand and he, and he basically says, look at these hands. There is no blood on my hands. In other words, since I became, I'm talking for the Apostle Paul, when he became a Christian, when he started living for Christ, from that point on, everyone that he came in contact with, he shared Jesus with. Everyone. So there was no one that could say after he was gone or when he wasn't around, you know, that Paul, he didn't share the gospel with me. He shared the gospel with everyone. And I pray that that is our desire. As we meet people, we will find a way to build a relationship that will take the time. You know, it's interesting. Um, I sometimes, um, I'm a Cleveland Brown. I can't help it. I was, you know, I was born in Cleveland. I'm a Brown. I'm a Buckeye. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know some of you Jets fans and some of you others. Yeah, whatever. But if I see somebody that has a hat of a, a college team, I'm going to go up and talk to them. I mean, they don't even have a choice. They'd be better off taking their hat off because I'm going to go up and say something to them. You know, um, we seen a, as we get closer to New York, we see a lot of Buffalo Bills. I picked the Buffalo Bills. I want you to know to win it this year, and I'm not sure that they're going to do that. But uh, anyway, but I, I find a way to talk to them. When I'm at a gas station getting gas, somebody's there. Uh, we visited a place today, and Val's wishing everybody a happy Thanksgiving. And, um, but, you know, we just want to talk to people. If you really want to know about people, I remember being at a mission conference and the pastor went over to Walmart. I don't know if you go to Walmart. Do they have Walmarts here? I don't even know. They do. Okay. Well, our pastor and his wife go to Walmart a lot, and they're always meeting people and talking to people, and, and they don't tell them they're you know, pastor and wife. They just start talking to them. People want to talk. Maybe not so much in New York, because you guys don't like to talk here, but in most places they want to talk. And... Um, and so if you start just, hey, how's your day? Be careful with that because people really want to share with you how their day is. And if you're truthful with them, if you really care, you will find out how their day is going and you will find out more than possibly you want to know. But what, what, I'm, what, what I'm saying is we need to start getting involved in more and more people's lives. And you know what? If we do that, especially in this area... Um, you guys will have to put a parking lot out the uh, soccer field and you'll have to add on another two or 300 spaces because this place will be booming if we start doing that. But not only do we need to pray as a servant, not only do we need to pray as a student, but we need to pray as a stranger. This is a confession of a student. He so desired to understand the world he is passing through. The psalmist recognized that he was traveling in a foreign land and he needed a road map. 
He believes his Bible will be the sufficient guide. You know, I don't know about you when we buy something and, you know, I'll get a Christmas present and I'll say, attach all these things together and you'll get what the picture shows. I really struggle because I, I don't know if it's a man thing or it's just an Indiana thing, but I never look at the instructions. And next thing you know, I got five parts. Val and I one time were putting a fan up. We got the fan all the way up and it's working good and Val pulls a couple nuts out and some other stuff. He says, was this, we supposed to use this? I said, I don't know, Val. I didn't look at the instructions. I think what happens so many times, well, we had to take it down. That didn't go very good. And we finally got it back up and we still have it today. But, you, you know, a lot of times we think we can do it on our own. We know better. But we need to get the instruction manual. The manual that was given to each of us to live our daily life and walk in the way of Christ. Philippians 3.20 says this. Philippians 3.20 For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as we walk out of these doors, I've said this before, I know, we are walking into the mission field. And we need to have a desire to see people come to the Lord. And I pray that as you walk out of here and you go to your restaurants, you guys are Baptists, you guys are probably flying out to, to, to get your favorite restaurant, whatever it is. I know it's not a Chick-fil-A because they're not open today, but you... You have places to go. You know, what about when you go, you say to your server, ask them their name. And you say, hey, we're about to pray for our meal. Is there anything we could pray for you about? I'm telling you, it works. I was at a restaurant and shared that the other day, and I said, Jen, we're about ready to pray for our meal. Is there anything that we could pray for you about? And she looked at us, and she probably thought we were crazy, but it's okay. And she said, my health. And so we right there stopped and prayed for her and her health in the restaurant. What happens if we would do that? What happens if we would sincerely pray and be concerned about other lives? This is how it was with our Lord Jesus in the parable of the sheep and the goats. He He confessed himself to be a stranger on the earth. He was homeless in the world his hands had made. He longed for someone to talk to. Nobody spoke the language of heaven. So he found companionship and comfort in the Word of God. He listened to what his father had to say to him in his Word. He talked to the Father in prayer. The Scriptures banished loneliness from his soul. It spoke the language of the land from which he had come. It's interesting that this core group that Jesus had, Peter, James, and John, uh, many times I've been on stage and we've been putting the passion play on. And we, the three of us and the rest of uh, the other nine, we couldn't stay awake. And isn't that how we are? I remember one time we were doing an all-night of prayer on a Saturday or a Friday night. And we would come in at 9 o'clock at night and we'd pray till 6 in the morning. And uh, I can't get on my knees very well, so I had this huge pillow. And I had my knees on there and I'm praying. And there was three of us that night. And uh, 
all of a sudden, I, I, I guess I woke up, I guess, and I said to my brother Stan, Stan, it's your turn to pray. And he said, Dave, you've missed the last two times to pray. I think it's your time. Here I had fallen asleep with my knees on a pillow. I'm telling you what, it is hard to pray. It really is hard to pray if we're sincere about it. But I was stretched out on that pillow and I had my head down in a pew and I fell asleep. Just like the disciples did. When Jesus is about to give up His life for you and I, man fell asleep. And then Peter jumps up and, and takes a sword and cuts the soldiers, one of his ear, or ears off, and Jesus heals him. I, 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 when I think of that text and think of what happened, I'm surprised that whole group didn't get saved right there. But they didn't. And so, anyway, we need to pray for divine illumination. We need to pray for divine satisfaction. The psalmist felt a crushing burden to read and ponder God's ordinances. Uh, in verse 20, it says this of our text. Well, verse 19, I'm a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. When we don't get it in the Word of God, we're allowing God's commandments to hide from us. We need to be in the Word of God. In verse 20, it says, My soul breaks with longing for your judgments all, all times. Soul breaks, literally, that is being rubbed away, wearing thin. It's close to the breaking point. I don't know if you've ever been to that situation, but the psalmist was. speaks of a time when one is continually frustrated in their attempt to achieve something. Yet, they rely on the Word of God to comfort, sustain, and guide them. You are to do so at all times times continually it says my soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times that's the first thing that we need to do when we have a situation in our life we need to go to the word of god we need to go to the word of god we don't go to somebody else and gossip we don't go to somebody else and say hey what do you think uh, there's been times that i've asked people that i've been dealing with i said what do your peers say about that it's interesting that their Christian peers gave them advice to do exactly what the world would teach them. Not what the Word of God would teach them. We've got to get into the Word of God. With longing means fervent desire. The person who has discovered the worth of God's Word yearns, yearns fervently to read it. It's attractive to one's soul. So we need to pray for divine revelation. Pray for divine satisfaction. And lastly, we need to pray for divine opposition. The spirit of rebellion in verse 21, it says, You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. You rebuke the proud because you are a servant. You are a student. You are a stranger in this world. And you may bear reproach for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Not only may you uh, bear reproach, the probability is if you make a stand for Jesus Christ in the world, you will bear reproach for Jesus Christ. And maybe that's why some of us 
aren't making a stand. Maybe there's some things that we believe down under, but I don't want to say anything. If I do, they may not like me. They may disagree with me. I'm telling you now, I know that you guys had, Brother Cannon, verses about unity, but man, we're seeing Senator, I'm sorry, Representatives, House of Representatives wanting to fight with each other. I mean, we're seeing all this chaos, and it's a spirit of rebellion that we're saying. But here's the thing that I want you to understand um, that we may um, bear reproach for. From who, you might say? Well, we're not going to turn there. But verse 20, 126 says, those who disobey God's truth. You're going to hear something from them. Verse 139, those that ignore God's truth. Verse 118, those who wander from God's truth. Verse 69, those who lie about God's truth. Verse 51, those who reject and mock God's truth. Verse 85, those who try to trap God's truth. In verse 22, it's ridicule. The psalmist says here, Reprove for me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. If you make a stand for Jesus Christ and you're standing faithfully, you, there will be a spirit of ridicule. People will come after you. Few things cause young people at school or college to hide their faith more than fear of scorn and ridicule. And the psalmist is saying, remove the heavy burden from which he needs relief. But not only from students, not only from school and college, but maybe some of us fear, scorn, or ridicule for standing for Jesus Christ. In verse 23, princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your delights. Um, the spirit of those that are reigning. As we look and we listen to our leaders in our country and leaders around the world, um, I know there's some that have quit our government because they're not in agreement where our nation stands with Israel. And I pray that each and every one of us stand with Israel. I've been getting a lot of updates from a young lady that was in our church and her and her husband went to Israel many years ago, 35, 40 years ago. And she's telling the stories of three of, or two of her kids and her son-in-law that it, some of the things they're doing and some of the things they have to deal with and put up with. But I want you to know as you continue to watch the media, as you continue to hear the news, you will see more and more people turn against Israel. And our prayer is that all through the Scriptures, we see that everybody was beating up on Israel. You know, in Second Kings 6, Elijah has a servant. And it's interesting, the king of Syria was wanting to build, uh, beat up on Israel. And every time they went to capture the, the king of Israel, could never get him. And the, the king of Syria says, who is a spy in our land? Who is telling these people that we're doing this? And the men said, nobody is a spy. There's one man. His name is Elijah. He's a prophet of God. 
He knows exactly what you're thinking and what you're telling us at all times. He knows what you're doing. And so they said, well, where is he at? And they said, he's in Bethel. And so the Syrian army came and they surrounded everywhere. I mean, there was, the Bible doesn't tell us how many, but they were everywhere. And the servant of Elisha says, Elisha, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, as he prays, God, open the servant's eyes that he will see. And when he did, it was unbelievable the number that was with Elijah than was with Syria. And so what did God do? God amazed us again when we read the Scriptures. God blinded them. And so um, Elisha said, hey, come on, follow me. And what does he do? He leads them into uh, the city and they're in a city and then he opens their eyes and they're in Samaria. They had followed him all the way to Samaria. What does the king of Israel want to do? The king of Israel wants to kill them all. But Elisha said, no, give them water and feed them. And all through the scriptures, we see where God puts in leadership and takes leadership out. We should not be, I mean, we should be concerned with the way things are going, but we should not be surprised. The Apostle Paul does to not be ignorant of Satan's devices. Satan will do everything to divide us and and leadership and, and such and such, but no matter what, we need to stand for Israel. We need to stand for God. In verse 24, it says this, um, And testimonies also are my delight and my counselor. Some delight in the Word. The psalmist needed wisdom to know how to handle these situations. And he found counsel in God's Word. And I pray that when things are difficult and you're going through situations and you don't have answers, that you go to the Word of God and God will show you with the help of the Holy Spirit as we pray and ask God to show us that He will show you great and mighty things. Instead of listening to the enemy's slander, the psalmist meditated on God's Word. Folks, we've got to meditate on God's Word. God's Word is the answer. has all the answers in life we need. And we wonder how and why we get in trouble. Because we're not being obedient to God's Word. So the last thing that I'm going to share with you before Pastor Ken comes up is we need to pray as a servant. Not only do we need to pray as a servant, we need to pray as a student. And we need to pray as a sojourner or a stranger because this is not our home. Do you hear me, church? This is not our home. We, our home is in heaven. And so my prayer is that each and every one of you have made a confession of faith. You have trusted in Jesus Christ. And daily, you are in God's Word, and you're wanting to be just like Christ. I know you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. But one day when we're in heaven, we will be perfect. Pastor Ken, would you come?